This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Open for Business this morning. Today I'm going to be speaking with Alvin Andrew. He's the uh, founder and CEO of uh, Fubizo, um, a company specializing in food and beverage product innovation. Yep. Now, they're based in Penang, and Fubizo has developed a diverse range of products uh, responding to various market needs and culinary challenges, let's call it that. And in our conversation today, I'll be exploring the journey of uh, Fubizo, the intricacies of developing a new food product, and the insights that, of course, Alvin has gained in navigating both local and international markets. And this discussion will aim to shed light on the realities of launching and managing a food and beverage business in today's dynamic world. Alvin, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Richard. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thank you for taking the time out of you today. I know you're a busy man and we've been emailing backwards and forwards, I think, for maybe three or four months, it feels like. Uh, And finally, we've managed to get here in the studio. So thank you for for all of that. Now, um, let's start with something quite simple then. Mm -hmm. When we talk about innovation in in F&B products, you've got a strong focus on uh, F&B product innovation, of course. Can you elaborate on your approach to developing new products in in a market that is very competitive? Right. So usually our our clients or potential clients, they come from the food industry, right? They're already manufacturing a product. And, um, you know, they they sometimes they have their own R&D team which acts more like a quality team as opposed to an innovation team. So we are focused, super focused on making new products, new formulations based on the needs, right? So our clients will come to us with a benchmark product. Maybe they've eaten the product, maybe let's say in England or, or in America or South America somewhere or anywhere, right? And then they'll say, hey, can you make a product like this with a Malaysian twist? Right. So then we help them, uh, you know, if we are able to do it. So we'll say, yes, we will accept this project and then we will actually modify uh, the product product to suit our local needs or if they say hey you know i bought this product in uh, in uh, brazil but i want to now sell it in china you know maybe they have no intention to launch it in malaysia mm. then we will uh, modify it according to the appropriate taste buds i would say so, so that's so how you tailor it for the local market yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. that is yeah so so sometimes the ideas come out from them right sometimes yeah. they'll say hey we have no idea you know but we have this machinery and that machinery or we are interested in this type of product and then um, and then we make the product Ah. We make the we we come up with an idea and we formulate the whole thing. So do they come with to you? Let's say, for example, I'm coming to you and I'm like, "Hey, uh, Alvin, I've I found these uh, mushrooms that I really like mm-hmm. and I really like the flavor. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to create. Can you help me out with that? Something would that be yeah. something that you would do? Yeah, yeah, could be even as basic as that. Right? It's honestly even uh, mushroom farmers or pl- plantations or whatever, yeah. right? So we can actually help them uh, maybe make an extract. Maybe that would be an ingredient that that is not a finished product, right? So you can actually use it into another product. Yeah. So we can help them do that too. Uh, sometimes you even have like uh, plantations, like uh, pineapple plantations, right? They have all these, uh, lots of pineapples, like MD2 pineapples, you know, and then they want us to make the juice. Right. So we can help them do that too, right? Ah, so, yeah. Very good stuff. Yeah. Now, 
what do you think are some of the more common challenges when, when entrepreneurs, in fact, uh, when they start a food business, based on some of the inquiries that you receive, what do you think are some of the major challenges for people well, who are you know, the you F&B know, entrepreneurs? You know, there's a very excellent question. I think the biggest challenge is, number one, differentiating yourself, okay? But differentiating yourself in a way that the market will pay for it. Right. So that's the type of differentiation. Even. You don't want to be so different that nobody recognizes what it is and they don't want to pay for it. It's too weird. We yeah, don't want to be doing that. Too weird. And, yeah. and, and really, it's about sales, right? So that's number one. Number two is about uh, the ability to execute, mm. which is where we can help them actually do, right? Mm. So if they come up with an uh, uh, idea that will solve a problem, full of contradictions, we can actually help them develop the product and make it taste good. Mm. Taste is paramount mm. when mm. you are selling a food and beverage product. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Taste is paramount. Who is the judge of that taste, though? You know, who determines whether or not it tastes good? Because, you know, taste is subjective, right? Yeah, it is very subjective. And, you know, it could be even subjective to the individual because I might like something today and tomorrow I might not like it. Right. I might like to eat something today just because I eat a pizza today. It doesn't mean I want to eat the same pizza tomorrow. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I think the, uh, the market is the right, one that right. will actually determine right, right. the market and and the market determines true sales mm -hmm. yeah so you, the answer to that question then is to make sure you stand out but not too much I guess yeah stand out in a way that you're actually solving a problem stand out in a way that you're actually uh, that in a way that people are willing to pay uh. for that 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 offering that you're giving uh. that offering could be a solution could be another another extension of a product doesn't matter now, we, we spoke about um, weird things. Mm -hmm. um, durian ice cream. Um, I, I love durian. Okay. I, I, I love Me durian. too. I love durian. Just, just to get that out there before yeah. we go down this road. Yeah. Um, now, I, I've seen durian ice cream in a few places, uh, mm -hmm. and I think it's delicious. You yeah. know, uh, Some people might think it's a bit weird. You know, right. Non-Malaysians might think it's a bit well, weird. Especially non-Malaysians. Right. So how do you... Um, Walk, walk me through that process of making something like a, a durian ice cream. You know, how do you formulate that kind of product? Well, good question. I think uh, you know, uh, let's say let's take a durian ice cream, right? Like you said. So one of the big ingredients there would be to take something of a durian and mm. to ensure the texture is creamy. Yeah, we got to ensure the texture is creamy and the taste got to be uh, strong durian. I think I think a Malaysian word to use would be cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Cow. Good. That's cow, a cow. good word. Cow, yeah, cow. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to be cow and then you also need to be, uh, you, you got to understand the elements of a durian, right? Durian ice cream. So uh, durian means, uh, durian ice cream would say, we would say something like it has to be creamy, mm. it has to be sweet, mm. uh, the color has to look a little yellow unlike a vanilla ice cream which is White, yeah, yeah, and then and then you got to put in all the other elements. How it melts with your saliva, how it melts when you put it in your mouth, uh, those type of things actually mm. plays a super important role. Mm. And how it reacts in your in your mouth, yeah. And so so um, how you potentiate potentiate means elevate the taste of the durian in your mouth. Yeah. So those are a few elements where you need to ensure you're hitting the ball on the puck, so to right, speak. Right. Right. Yeah. Now it's not just as simple as you know throwing ice cream. And durian together. Oh, no, never like that. I mean, there's a lot of science involved, yeah, yeah. right? Well, you got to understand, uh, uh, first of all, you got to understand where's the smell coming from. So yeah. this is what we call the top note. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Top note means... Almost like a perfume. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, right? So there's top note and bottom note, right? Yeah. So top note would mean your smell, your smell elements. And then your eyes, what is it looking at? Is the color appealing? Mm. You know, in food products, uh, you, need, you need something that looks good, tastes good, smells good. 
and then and then it has to have a good texture. Yeah. So these are the few things that you have to break down and then understand where this is coming from, mm-hmm. which is the main contributing uh, contributing factor mm-hmm. in this, right? So texture, it has to be creamy. It touches your tongue. So what creates the texture? So cream. So when you talk about cream, okay, well, the fat components are super important. Mm. So do you put unsaturated fats? Do you put saturated fats? Where's the fat coming from? Well, the cream. The cream is coming from where? The milk. You got to really uh, break down all these elements and go into the the fundamentals of making a product, truly making a product. What's the weirdest suggestion that somebody's come to you with? Well, I've had uh, mochi cookie. I think that's super weird. <laughs> mochi cookie is super weird. And actually, actually, I've had this uh, uh, another crazy idea. Mochi cookie because why? You know, outside they want it to be crunchy, yeah, like like a cookie, like a real good, nice crunchy cookie. But inside they want it to be soft, textured like a mochi. That's one of the weirdest one. Another suggestion recently we had was, you know, you know, chuchur udang, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Malaysia, we have chuchur udang. So it's, you know, you buy it on the, it's basically street food and then you pour some sauce on it. Yeah. Now this client has come to us and say, hey, we want to actually put it uh, in a bag, in a, in, a, in, a, in a regular packaging, like ambient, not even frozen, not even anything, right? So they want to just eat it and it's a crunchy type of thing. It's a crunchy kropok snack yeah, product. Yeah, yeah. So that's... Um, that's the weirdest. That's the hardest. And the hardest usually has the highest amount of contradiction. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hold that thought. We need to take a short break. Sure. Folks, I'm here in the studio with Alvin Andrew. He's the founder of Fubizo, a company specializing in food and beverage product innovation. They're based in Penang. Uh, we've spoken about innovation, uh, entrepreneurial challenges, uh, product development. I want to speak when we come back about stuff like global reach and um, shelf-stable stuff, I think, is something important to talk about as well. We'll be right back here on Open for Business on BFM. 89.9 The Business Station Open for Business will reopen in a few moments powered by Bosbole.com Malaysia's first online company secretary Beats Funk Mixtapes BFM 89.9 The Business Station Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Open for Business. It's me, Rich Bradbury, here in the studio with Alvin Andrew, founder of Fubizo, a company specializing in food and beverage product innovation based out of Penang. Um, just before the break, we were speaking about some of the weirdest things that you've come across and, uh, and some of the weirdest suggestions. And I do know that some of your products are sold in over 75 countries, yep. I believe. Yep. What strategies have you employed then to achieve such a wide global reach? Have you managed to do that? Well, the number one thing is uh, keeping your product staying relevant. You know, think yeah. global, but act local. Okay. Okay. Stay in Malaysia, and Malaysia is a great place to export. So people go to exhibitions, food yeah. trade shows, right? Yeah. yeah. And they give their product there. And, but you have to be able to uh, keep the core of your product uh, intact while uh, modifying the, the elements, certain mm-hmm. elements to meet some regulatory uh, requirements. But very importantly, to meet consumer uh, taste buds. Mm. You have to modify it so that people over there in certain countries can relate mm. to your product. Mm. Yeah. And what has been the, um, what would you say has been the most difficult market to break? Well, I think, uh, well, that's a very good question. But I think uh, um, 
uh, the, 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 in terms of regulations, maybe you could say China. In terms of regulations, I right? thought you might say. Yeah, China. yeah, yeah. In terms of regulations, right? But in terms of acceptability, that means people have to accept. Like I think uh, maybe you can say US could be also uh, quite uh, open-minded. Mm-hmm. They're willing to try, right? So. Yeah. On the other hand, you have this, but you have to go to all the regulations, all the paperwork, which we have helped uh, clients get into those type of countries, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, one of the things I did read about you, you guys, is, is of course when you you, you develop, uh, obviously you'll need to develop shelf stable products, right? right? And I'd imagine that's not necessarily the easiest of tasks of to do because um, there has to be some kind of. I don't know what the word is, give and take, I guess. Mm-hmm. If something is shelf-stable, mm-hmm. there has to be preservatives, perhaps, or there has to be... Not all, not always, right. but, but sometimes it does. And that could detract from taste, it could detract from flavor, or, or one thing or another. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you balance traditional flavors with this need for something to stay good on the shelf for a, a longer period of time? How do you manage to do that? Well, I think... Uh well, first of all, um, you need to understand uh, when you talk about shelf stability, what is the cause that is uh, causing the instability? Yeah. And stability, there are three types of stability. I always like to tell my clients this. Number one is the microbial. When people say the word stability, this is the most often referred to stability. Yeah. That means no spoilage, no bloating of the product, no bacterial problem. Yeah. Uh, and that's good to, to solve that because, you know, you eat then you get stomach ache. But number two is the color stability, yeah. the look of it, yeah. right? So that's also important. You have a bottle of ketchup and then you put it in the fridge and then it, it fades away or it changes colors. That's not good. And number three would be the chemical stability, mm. like rancidity. Mm. Sometimes you have some product like a like a snack product, deep fried snack product. And then after some time, you have this uh, rancid smell. So these are the three types of stability. So you need to understand first where the stability, uh, instability is coming from. And then what is the key uh, characteristic of a certain flavor? Okay, certain flavor. And then understand how that will contradict each other. And then basically you have to add the ingredient Maybe if it's a chili sauce, you add a bit more chili to compensate for the deterioration over right. your sh- targeted shelf life. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and what, when clients come to you and they say, okay, we, we want a shelf life of X amount of months, or mm-hmm. we want a shelf life of, you know, is there like a, a kind of tipping point where you're like, guys, we, we can't do a shelf life of two years, you know? Right. <laughs> is there- Actually, a lot of our clients are super ambitious, right? Mm-hmm. They want to have 24 months on a, on a fruit juice. <laughs> and then the direct answer is, we, we, before we take the product, uh, project, we always uh, evaluate the feasibility. Right. And we only take products projects that we actually know we can do. And that's one thing very special about us because just to be clear, we also charge based on the fact that we achieve our target, right? So we don't want to take a product a project and then we cannot unable to deliver the results. So yeah. we will tell them, we'll adjust the expectations. Look, guys, you know, I understand you're asking for this cropper to Tahan to, to last for 18 months, but we can maybe do nine months. Yeah. You know, let's be clear with that. Let's yeah. get this because we also do an agreement. Mm-hmm. It's a all black and white. So it has to be very clearly written. Yeah. So we tell them up front. They will know what to expect. Okay. Well, let's talk about um, market trends then. I mean, if, if you look at the market over the last couple of years in particular, People have been moving away from, um, I, I mean, they've got a little bit more health conscious. Right, you right. Know? Veganism is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Vegetarianism has become a big thing. How do you ensure that um, you as a company and, and your clients that come to you 
stay ahead of that curve and they know that these future trends are they're not just a bubble they're, they're something that we're moving towards you help advise them on that as well yeah of course uh, we help them uh, you know achieve whatever goals they want right because when the client come to us they also probably have a certain market that mm. they're already catering to mm. and they have to be sensitive enough to listen to what the market requires mm. they are market yeah and and you know the the macro market or other markets may not be relevant to what they are looking at mm. so they have to be very sensitive to their market and when i say their market we define their market as the people paying their money yeah that's that's the key thing yeah. and then you can expand then you can reach have a further reach and all these things right but but uh, yes we do advise on these things uh, we also sometimes even advise against these things especially if the market they are catering to are not willing to pay for this additional so called benefits yeah, yeah yeah what do you think right now are the the kind of current trends what would you say they are well i think uh, one big one would be clean label yeah clean label the meaning of clean label is keeping your product uh, uh, reading your ingredient list and understanding what's in there so that's one big one i think uh, you know um, to to another extent um, uh, keeping it convenient and tasty convenient and tasty actually this whole industry exists because of convenience if you're right. going to create an inconvenience don't be in this business right right I you see. know i mean why because the whole idea is that you know uh, let's say you have an orange right you you squeeze it into a bottle and you're selling it shipping it away right so that's convenience right so keep it convenient mm. the more convenient mm. it gets the better it is mm. while not sacrificing taste the the clean labeling things interesting yep. i mean i remember uh, when my brother was a kid i mean we're talking 35 years ago something mm. like that, almost 40 years ago the issue then was on the thing called e numbers do you remember right. those right yes so e number for those listening at home who may be a little bit young e numbers were they it was a a number that was attributed to an ingredient Correct. which could have been a color agent Correct. it could have been a stability agent it could have yeah, been something exactly. else so we didn't emulsifier yeah. so we didn't know what it was yeah. uh, so there was this whole thing about you know kids were going crazy because they were having all of these e numbers now right. i believe the us still uses some of these e numbers on some of their sweet products uh, I, i don't know if they you know well, But process food process food yes yeah. uh, but i know in particular parts of the world nowadays europe uh, and i think malaysia too you cannot just put e numbers like you say you have to have everything in there right correct so you got to put the e number and the description of what and then you got to put uh, the word of it like sodium benzoate right. or e471 which is a which is a emulsifier in used in coffee yeah. rtd coffee products canned yeah. coffee right yeah. interesting stuff yeah. oh okay all right now um Quality assurance then. This this obviously when you're in the F&B business this is something that's it, 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 top. Mm. What do you do to ensure the quality and safety of your food products especially when you're distributing them globally? How do you manage to keep track of that? Well, ensure you have a stringent quality uh quality specification. Ensure you have that. That one is first number one and you have to first define it. Mm. You have to first define it. What number of bacteria is acceptable? What type of color, maybe Pantone colors that are acceptable in the product to keep it consistent? That's super important. Yeah. Super important. So have very stringent. Uh, and this takes a lot of work, right? To define the specs and then don't go out. Don't yeah. deviate. But uh, I would also go one step further, especially in at Fubi. So what we would say is understand where the deviations would come from and build that into your process. Mm. That means, let's say we have a certain color spec, for the product understand where if possible 
the color deviation would come from and control that parameter even more mm. to a certain extent. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Let's take another short break. Sure. We'll come back. I've got a few more questions. All right. Folks, I'm here in the studio with Alvin Andrew, the founder of Fubizo, a company specializing in food and beverage product innovation. They're based out of Penang. Um, if you've got any questions for us, get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number 018-789-8899. You can get us on X as well. We're at BFM Radio. We'll be right back here on BFM 89.9. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Breaking Financial Matters, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Open for Business. I'm Rich Bradbury. I'm here with Alvin Andrew, the uh, founder of Fubizo. Um, if you don't already know, we've uh, I've said it a few times now, uh, there are companies specializing in food and beverage product innovation. Just before the break, we're talking about quality assurance, of course. What about sustainability, right? That's that's the topic of discussion right now, and it's a big thing. Right? Right. Now, if you're not a sustainable company, um, it affects people who want to work with you and get involved with you in one thing or another. How do you address sustainability and environmental concerns? Because let's be honest, when we're talking about convenience foods, <laughs> a lot of it is packaged in plastics or one thing or another. But there's often no way around that, you know, because it's got to be shipped, it's got to be shelf-stable, and it's a difficult thing. How do you address sustainability in in something like that? Well, I have a very interesting, uh, maybe a, a non-conventional view on this particular topic. Sustainable first, it has to be cash flow sustainable. <laughs> okay, let's go green with dollar green. Right. I mean, that's very important, but you have to understand this type of things uh, are also made because of the consumer demand. Like yeah. Just like what you said, it has to be shipped, it has to be moved around. Um, you know, obviously, personally, personally, I rather have uh, paper bags. Yeah, I, I rather have packaging companies make more robust paper bags that yeah. can actually stand yeah. this uh, uh, shipping environments and yeah. and keep the cost low. Do you think that's something we we, we could see more of? I, I, think so. yeah. I think so. I think so. Uh, I, I think I uh, think the way it looks like it's like going backwards. Yeah, you know, fifty years back, maybe not much paper bags, right? So yeah. you have to. I, I see right now some uh, uh, supermarkets in Europe they are using a uh, banana leaf. Yeah, I've seen that too. I mean, but you know, banana leaf was used by my grandmother uh, <laughs> uh, 50, 60 years ago. You know, it's nothing. Yeah. We have yeah. to, we're like, it's almost like we're coming back to the cycle, so yeah. go back in time. Yeah, yeah. And then see how we can take that and actually integrate it into the modern elements in yeah. time. I mean, I've, see, I've actually seen them doing that in Thailand. I think 7-Eleven have started doing it, in, and uh, some of their larger supermarkets yeah. have definitely yeah. started using exactly. these uh, exactly. Um Okay, now um, I've got a couple more questions before I let you go. But stuff like customer feedback mm-hmm. and... Um, how important to you is customer feedback in your product development cycle? And, and can you give an example of how maybe it's helped shape a product? Yeah, okay. That, that's a very, uh, that's a good question, a relevant question. But sometimes huh, we have to evaluate if the customer's feedback is, uh, is even relevant. And how do we evaluate relevancy is also based on cash flow. I always like to say, follow the money. Follow the money means, uh, sometimes they'll say, hey, I like it. Let's say if you have a, a, a fried, a frozen fried nugget company, okay, doing it, uh, doing a, a free sampling mm. at a supermarket or something, right, grocery store. 
People say, oh, we like it, we like it. Well, you like it if it's free. But now I'm giving you a free sample, but you should buy a bag. Are you yeah. going to buy the bag? So what's stopping you from buying the bag? So there's a lot of elements, right? So I think you have to follow cash. You have to follow the money. Right. There's really no other way to put it in. And that's uh, that's part of the challenge of the business, right? Not just say, oh, my grandmother like it, my neighbor like it, and therefore I'm going to make a product out mm, of this. Mm. And they're good. That's a good start. But do they really like it for liking it? Or do they like it just because they like you? And, and your so grandma say, made it, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, what, do you, what do you do when you have a situation like that then? I mean, okay, let's let's say, for example, like you mentioned, you know, uh, a fried nugget is being given away free in a supermarket, right? And, right. You, you, and somebody says, oh, I like it, mm. but I'm not going to buy a bag. Mm. Uh, and then you say, then why are you not buying a bag? Because I think it's too expensive. Mm. You know, how do you deal with that kind of situation? You can't just go to your client and say, bro, your your product is too expensive. Well, at, at the very least, you have some feedback on that, you yeah. know? But yeah. the worst thing is what? You know, they take the bag and they put it into the ice cream aisle. That's worse. <laughs> At least in this case, you have a feedback. At least I can say, okay, look, the customer didn't buy it because of pricing. Yeah. Now, what do you do if, you know, you expect it to be there and then it goes maybe to the cashier and the cashier there, they say mm. they don't want to put it and now it's not back in the frozen aisle. Mm. You lost money. That's even do, worse. Do you advise customer clients on pricing as well then? Well, yes, we do. We do. Uh, we And there are two ways to look at this, right? One is based on the value that you're offering. Yeah. Okay. How much value you're offering? Actually, you can actually charge on this. Yeah. Uh, your your value. But when you have a product of a certain value, you have to understand the market fit, yeah. product market fit. So who's going to buy this product? You talked about just now about veganism. You talked mm. about, uh, or we discussed about clean label. Who's going to pay? Some mm. people just want it cheap. Mm. Now, if they want mm. it cheap, maybe you're forced to ask the 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 the, the manufacturer as the developer as Fubizo maybe we are innovating and we need to put it cheap we need to make it you know colorful make it smell good and mm. people buy it and, mm. and that is all based on market demand mm. yeah mm. let's okay I, I want to rewind a bit then and, and before I get on to like the future vision of, of Fubizo mm-hmm. let's talk about the beginning of Fubizo okay. uh, I've saved this particularly for the end um, how long have you guys been running now? well we have been running since 2019 2019. 2018, 2019, yeah. Okay. And how did you originally get started? Was, was it, uh, is it bootstrapped? Did you apply to for loans? How did it work? Well, first of all, um, I, I studied, I graduated, did really well in my studies in the United States. I right? see you have a, a BSc and an MSc yeah. in food science. Food yes. science yes, from yes, yes. Uh, University of Minnesota. So I really went to some of the top universities in the world, actually, mm. for food science. University mm. of Minnesota is truly the best. Mm. Uh, my 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 father helped me get there, right? Obviously, a parent scholarship, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then uh, you know I worked there. I worked there for quite some time, and then I came back. Huh? I nearly stayed nearly seven years in the United States. I came back. Uh, I also worked for a food innovation company in the U.S. Right. And I thought, look, Malaysia got more problems. So start this business. The problem is in Malaysia, people are not so focused on innovation. Therefore, everybody is just. Uh, you know, you're like swimming in the same waters. It, the competition is super tight. It's like a red ocean. It's like you're just swimming and then yeah. you're trying to get some market share by putting some small offering. And then we go in there and I, t- I call clients. I pick up the phone, man. I really literally just pick up the phone and say, look, this is what we do. Do you want us to help you develop the product? Mm. And I had like great grand ideas because, you know, I come from the U.S. I'm on trend. Quite frankly, I'm above the trend, uh. creating the trend, which is very uh, the key thing for our business. And then we, I have this uh, uncanny ability to see what can work, what cannot work. Uh, I was very sensitive to the market. And so we created a few products. 
And then I go and tell another client, look, we created this. This is our case study. We have done this. And we can do this type of thing for you. Mm. Maybe I've done the first one is a beverage. Now I go to a biscuit company, right? Mm. So so I just built it from there. I mean, I literally pick up the phone until today, just to be clear, until today, zero loans. Zero loans. And fully profitable, cash. I'll imagine. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, cash flow positive, profitable, making money. Yeah. Really good. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> Thank and you. You seem like a happy man. <laughs> well, I'm happy man because of the impact we have made. Of, not just that, but you, you seem very passionate about what you yeah, do. Yeah. It's not I, just like, you're, you're not just doing it for the money. I mean, despite, you know, truthfully, Alvin, you know, it, there is this, this uh, appearance of you of, of somebody who's, you know, a, a little flash, a little bit yeah. of a salesman. And that's part of who you are, though, yeah. you know, in, a, in a positive light, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. actually, uh, I think uh, I think uh, what makes me sleep well at night is the positive impact. I like winning. Right. I like, I like and uh, people that come to us have problems. Yeah. And what we give back to them, solutions. Yeah, yeah. And basically, I solve problems for people. If you have problem, you come to me, right? So right. Uh, that makes me sleep a lot better at night, <laughs> uh, actually. And then I, I uh, have always known I like the food business right. from a very young age, I think from 19 years old. Mm. I never go to college and put it like an undecided major. I've always known food science, food tech. Uh, my direction was super clear and I just stick to it. Okay. Was there a period though when um, you thought maybe this is not for me as an entrepreneur? Well, never, never, never. never. I just always thought that I would like to be maybe in a different market, maybe in America, people more receptive to innovation or something, right? And we have American projects, right? Yeah. But, um, but uh, this has always been for me. Okay. I've always been in this. I've never regret, never, like, uh, never turned back from it. No. 70, uh, sorry, 75 countries, is it? Uh, hang on. Yeah, our products sell in 75 countries 70, across four continents. 75 countries, four continents. Um, what's next for Fubizo? Well, I think um, uh, I think our country, Malaysia, and uh, generally the Southeast Asia, we're the only food tech innovation company in Southeast Asian region. I think uh, we're going to create more uh, more robust products, more contradictory products. Con- contradiction equals innovation in, for some reason in my case. Mm. Uh, we're going to help um, uh, create a lot more products, expand into more markets. But I think uh, part of the thing right now, recently, people have been asking also about partnerships. Mm. Hey, can you work on the innovation part? And then we have the marketing angle. We can work on the marketing. So we now own some... Uh, shares of the smaller companies also, you know, mm. food companies of certain brands. Maybe they're a big company, but the brand, we own some of it. So it's quite interesting that we actually have mm. some of that now going on. Mm. So we're expanding into that type of uh, field also. Okay. Yep. And if somebody was interested in getting involved with food tech, innovation tech, that kind of stuff, what would you advise them to do? Well, give us a call. Give <laughs> us a call. Tell us your problem. Tell us your problem, but define your problem. That's mm. one. Another one is if you're not in the food industry, but looking to get into a food industry, gather knowledge. Mm. Gather knowledge. Uh, you know, we have also, like I was telling you uh, during our break, we have a, a food training program. It's called Food Forward. Uh, food Forward. So if you like Google up Foobies or Food Forward, some information will come up. Okay. Uh, it's a training program to evaluate and validate ideas. Is your idea really a good one? How to sell it? What's the branding strategy? How to create a product whereby you make your competition irrelevant? So we're going to do that in uh, end of February 2024. 
Yeah, okay. yeah. So people can register and attend for that in Kuala Lumpur, actually. Food forward. Food forward. Yep. Okay. Alvin, Andrew, thank you very much for your time today. Welcome, welcome. Pleasure to be here. Folks, I've been here in the studio, of course, with Alvin Andrew. He is the founder and CEO of Fubizo, a company specializing in food and beverage product innovation. If you miss any part of this show, don't forget you can go and download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. I recommend the BFM app. That's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. This has been Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.